Hey there, I'm the Kentucky Guy, and thank you so much for listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Here at the Red Pill Current News Podcast, we strive on bringing you news that you won't find in the fake media every day. We also strive to bring you the truth, not only on politics, but the world news all around, including pop culture and so forth. As for myself, I worked in the private sector for around 25 years in the call center management and health insurance industry. Uh, Due to unforeseen circumstances and health issues, I was forced into early retirement last year. Now, a couple years ago, I noticed that something just wasn't sitting right with the way our country was being ran or being politicized as. So I started doing research, a lot of research. And that's why I'm able to now host this podcast. I've been on other shows as well, discussing my views. I'm also on social media. I'm on The Clapper, Rizzle, TikTok, Truth Social, Facebook, and many more. You can find me at the KY Guy, Kentucky Guy, KY Guy, or KY Guy 80. Different ones. Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. <laughs> All right. So, yes, and I uh, do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button no matter where you're listening to. We are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, again, God bless and God bless America. And welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast, Special Report Devolution number 16. Hey, I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. How's everybody doing today on this lovely Friday? The weekend is finally here, folks. Let's hear it. The weekend is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so um, I figured I'd go ahead and drop another episode uh, to the uh, Devolution. Uh, actually, just finished. Uh, two episodes getting prepared for them, uh, but we won't drop them back to back because I know that it takes a little time to go through these. Uh, so if you're new here, uh, no matter what platform you're listening to us from, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We are on all major platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So uh, yeah, so you can find us anywhere, and that's Red Pill Current News Podcast. Also, uh, for you wrestling fans, I do host, I co-host with Donnie Cage, Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We do drop episodes there every Monday and Friday. Uh, looking forward to our episode dropping t- this evening. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, we drop new episodes here on the Current News, on the Red Pill Current News Podcast, Every uh, We're scheduled every Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, special reports, we do drop them throughout the week, though. And let's see, if you ever want to be a guest or you have any comments or anything of that nature, uh, you can always reach out to us at ol 
Kentucky spelled out, O-L, Kentucky, 99 at yahoo.com. All right, so before we get into the report, as always, we've got some uh, geopolitical, political, economic formation uh, news coming. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to address, I got a few emails uh, from you all uh, wanting to know who John is. And uh, by the way, if you've not listened to a special report yet, I advise you to at least go back to special report number one. I actually went in. Uh, it wasn't labeled special report number one. Uh, it was just labeled special report. I went in and uh, updated it. So it is labeled now special report number one. Uh, I do advise you to at least listen to that uh, so you're not completely lost on what we're talking about. Uh, but, yeah, so I, and John is a is a person who uh, has a uh, – I don't know, man. He, he's done a lot. Uh, he's helped me out a lot through this process. Uh, and uh, he's a, I consider him a good friend. Now, <laughs> I am receiving emails more and more about uh, his true identity, right? So here's the deal. First of all, if I told you who John was, uh, 90% of you probably wouldn't believe me. Facts are facts. And uh, I'm very... Uh, I'm very protective of my reputation uh, because I hold the same reputation on a podcast, on a social media video, uh, anywhere that I do in my uh, real life, I guess you could say, my everyday life. Uh, I don't uh, tell stories or lies or what have you in uh, my everyday life, and uh, I won't do that on uh, the podcast either. Uh, so I protect it uh pretty uh pretty cautiously uh, i don't like to uh give people a reason to doubt what i say uh that's why i tell you on these special reports that uh this is just a blueprint on why i believe the way i do and think the way i do about the situation we're in it's not i'm not saying it's bible i'm not saying you have to believe it I'm not saying you even need to listen to it uh but you know that's it but i will tell you something exciting so i ran this by John, I uh, told him about the emails, and he has promised, he has promised that once everything is said and done, who knows when that'll be, when everything's said and done, and he feels safe and comfortable, he will actually come on and do an interview on the show. So that's pretty great. That is pretty great right there. So mark it down in your calendars, guys. Uh, John will be coming uh, on the show sooner or later. I don't have a date. I, that's the best I can do. Uh, yeah, and I know some of you, you know, I mean, I, I've seen some of the speculation, and, and <laughs> uh, no, it's not it's not Trump. <laughs> it's, not, it's not anybody like that. Uh, sh uh, just, I don't know. I, I, found that, I find that stuff funny. I don't know. All right, so let's get into the news. The current news, uh, e the appeals court, DOJ, must release the memo on Trump uh, prosecution. Now, by the way, I'm going to I'm going to get into this a little bit, but I now know the reason I know the reason the real reason for the raid on Trump's estate and we're going to get into that. Uh, but first of all, this uh, Department of Justice must release the secret memo it prepared in 2019 discussing whether then President Trump 
obstructed a special counsel probe into his campaign dealings with Russia during the 2016 election. A federal appeals panel ruled Friday. The Hill reported judges uh, Sri Sornabla, Judith Rogers, and David Tattle held that the DOJ failed to meet its legal burden to show that the memos uh, were protected because it concerned internal deliberations advising then Attorney General William Barr over whether to charge Trump with obstructing special counsel Robert Mueller's probe of the Trump-Russia relationship, which was all a hoax. I don't even know. I don't even know why they are even pretending. We, we everybody knows now. Uh, anyways, Trump was never charged in the in the Mueller probe because it was false. A long-standing DOJ legal opinion rules out federal criminal charges against the sitting president because the department did not tie the uh, the memorandum uh, to deliberations about the relevant decision. The department failed to justify its reliance on the deliberative process privilege. Chief Judge uh, Serenivas wrote, Liberal Watchdog Group, here we go, Citizens for Responsibility. Oh, have you guys heard that name in this series before? And Ethics in Washington filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit seeking the DOJ memo in 2019. District Judge Amy Berman of the District of Columbia ordered the agency to release the memo, but paused that ruling while the DOJ appealed her decision. Uh, Cervantes said DOJ claimed it was intended to counsel Barr on what public statements to make about the case came too late in the litigation. Quote, ordinarily, the government would have little difficulty establishing that a prosecutor's view about the sufficiency of the evidence uh, form part of a prosecution, wrote Citizen, uh, an appointee of President Barack Obama's. <laughs> of course. This, however, is the rare case that falls outside of the typical understanding, the judge added. Yeah. So here we go. Here we go. You guys want to know what they were looking for? You guys want to know the truth behind the matter? It goes all the way back to October 2020. Let me read a let me read a tweet. This is a tweet. I had to dig hard <laughs> to get this because remember they banned his account. Here's a tweet from President Donald Trump. Trump's tweet. Ah, come on. There it is. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> I have fully authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest political crime in America, American history, the Russia hoax. Likewise, the Hillary email scandal, no redactions. Woo. Then he also tweeted, and this is October as well, same day. All Russia hoax scandal information was declassified by me. 
long ago. Unfortunately for our country, people have acted very slowly, especially since it is perhaps the biggest political crime in the history of our country. So, now, does President Trump have the right to tweet out and say he declassified information and is it declassified? Well, I went and dug a little bit deeper. You guys know how how I am. Uh, And this is from James Rice. This was stated on May 15th 2017 and this is remarks that he made to a reporter and we'll get more into this quote the minute the president speaks about it to someone he has the ability to declassify anything at any time without any process the president's classification and declassification powers are broad experts agree That the president, as commander-in-chief, is ultimately responsible for classification and declassification. When people lower in the chain of command handle classification and declassification duties, which is usually how it's done, it's because they have been delegated to do so by the president directly or by an appointee chosen by the president. The majority ruling in the 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of Navy versus Egan, which addressed the legal recourse of a Navy employee who had been denied a security clearance, addresses this line of authority. Quote, the president, after all, is the commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States, according to Article 3, Article 2 of the Constitution. The court's majority wrote, his, quote, his authority to classify and control access to information bearing on national security flows primarily from this constitutional investment of power in the president and exists quite apart from any explicit congressional grant. Thank you, thank you. They can say what they want to. The proof is in the pudding, folks. Yes, he did declassify them. And that is why this corrupt, corrupt FBI raid happened in Mar-a-Lago. This raid happened because they were looking for, they weren't looking for classified uh, papers. They already knew what he had. You see, here's a lot of things that people don't know. Trump's team and the FBI had been working together a long time ago, the FBI actually went there and put locks on certain parts of his home where the papers were that were declassified. They weren't looking for classified papers. They were looking for these, the Russian hoax, Hillary Clinton, kind of Barack Obama, all this stuff that exonerates Trump from this Russian hoax. That's the class declassified information they were looking for. They didn't want anything classified. They didn't want anything. Why do you think they looked through uh, his wife's uh, clothes and crap? Uh, why do you think they took his passport? They took his passport. You know, you really think President Donald Trump 
leaves his passports laying around on the coffee table. I mean, come on, man. They broke into his safe. They weren't looking for anything classified. They were looking for declassified documents that prove that we have corrupt officials in the FBI and CIA who were a part of the Hillary-Obama-Russian collusion. It's plain as day. And if you can't see that, there's nothing else I can show you. I went, <laughs> I went and dug the law up. I dug the tweets up. Uh, it took a while. I got them, uh, and there you go. All right. So let, so let's get into devolution uh, part sixteen. When we left off, we were talking about different foundations, and uh, the first one I want to start off with was the uh, the Bowman Family Foundation. Uh, is a member of the two coalitions. It's, it's a member of the Democracy, Democracy Alliance Conferences and the Funders Committee for uh, Civic Participation. First, the Democracy Alliance. So the Democracy Alliance is a collective of wealthy Democrat and left progressive individuals and institutional donors hosted semi-annually uh, conferences for its members and guests. Described as a major gathering of the institutional left, the conferences primarily serve to connect prospect, uh, prospective left-leaning donors with similarly, uh, similarly minded activist groups and to provide a forum for speakers and panels on important political issues, uh, policies, and strategies. In past years, um, conferences have featured some of the most prominent activists, leaders, and politicians in the United States. Yes, 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 yes. You are correct. You did hear that correct. Uh, the Democracy Alliance was co-founded by George Soros. And the above list of names, who is who, is who of American haters? <clears throat> you can't make this stuff up, folks. Do your own research. Now let's talk a little bit about the Funders Committee for Civic Participation. Uh, it operates as a network of more than 90 of the left's most significant fundraiser and adversary groups that have shared uh, affinity for the left-leaning social, economic, and race-based policy advocacy. Inside, uh, philanthropists wrote that the group's membership had a truly liberal uh, bent. Yeah. So, let's see who is members of the group. The Open Society. Oh, ho, ho. so they including, they're including uh, George Soros, the Open Society uh, Foundations, uh, the Democracy Alliance Liberal Donor uh, Group and the Aspen Institution. The membership also includes a large number of other billionaires uh, left of the uh, center nonprofits, including the Donor uh, Advised uh, Tides Foundation, the uh, Kerrigan Corporation of New York, uh, Ford Foundation, Joyce Foundation, the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, Rockefeller Family Fund, W.K. Kellogg's 
Foundation, uh, the J.P. Uh, Morgan Foundation, Wallace H. Culture Foundation, Evelyn and Walter Hayes Jr. Foundation, and the Brun Family Foundation. Huh. Well, how about that? What a quinkadink. So another Soros connection. Are you shocked as I am? <laughs> so let's look at this interesting connection found within the Joyce Foundation. So the Joyce Foundation, oh, you're going to love this, uh, is a nonprofit based in Chicago that finances adversary for gun control, uh, environmental causes, and liberal education policy opposition to the right of uh, center election reforms and left of center nonprofit media outlet. Patrice Joyce uh, Keene established the organization in 1948 before he was elected president of the United States. Then, then, okay, I got it. Then Illinois state senator, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what? <laughs> State Senator Barack Obama was a member of the Joyce Foundation Board of Directors. The Silicon Valley Community Foundation consists of big tech players and those who had censored uh, Trump and conservatives during the color revolution that we talked about yesterday uh, that took place during the 2020 election. So let's look. This is very interesting. Let's look at the director's employees, and the supporters of this institution. Uh, Misty uh, Sangale, I don't know, a former chief uh, philanthropy officer. Emmett Carson, former chief executive officer, uh, 2006 through 2008. Sarah Valance, senior vice president of finance. Uh, Bert Fuse. We're going to get to some names you know here in just a moment. I got a feeling. Uh, Bert Fuse, don't know him. Uh, Paul Velesque, Chief Financial Officer, Maria Ellen Lolas, former Chief Business Officer, Jack Dorsey, Major Donor, Reed Hastings, Major Donor, Mark Zuckerberg, Major Donor, uh, Carrie Tuna, Donor, uh, Open Philanthropy Project Fund, and Dustin. Uh, Moscovitz donor. Okay. So when considering those who founded and paid for the Transition Integrity Project, it becomes glaringly obvious that we are witnessing the second creation to a successful color revolution. The anti-regime forces are enforced by mass media and foreign influences. I want to take a break here real quick for our sponsors. Sponsor of today's episode is... Anchor, if you're thinking about doing a podcast or already have a podcast, you can do Anchor all in one place. We'll be right back, folks. Thank you. Hey, guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the best and easiest way I've found to start a new podcast. Everything is right there. At Anchor, I can not only record my podcast, I can add music. I can add sounds and much more. Also, I can trim 
and crop my podcast as well, all in one place, right there on my iPhone or computer. On Anchor, as a host, you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Everything is in one place. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Best part of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, and welcome back to the Red Pill Current News Podcast, special report number 16 of Devolution. Hey, I'm the Kentucky Guy, and welcome back with us. And uh, So let's get right back into this. Uh, let's see. Foreign and domestic influences, the NGOs, funding a project with the sole intent of creating and planning a narrative that anything other than a Biden victory will not be accepted and is therefore not possible. So we can go even further here, folks, and connect uh, protect uh, democracy to other aspects of the 2020 election. You might recall that during the summer of 2020, the Democrats were going all over the country, filing lawsuits in order to change election laws to their benefits using the pandemic as a pretext Remember that Mark uh, Ellis is at the center of the political establishment fight to implement a color revolution uh, domestically. He played a major role in the Russia hoax, and he is uh, anticipated to be one of the individuals on Durham's unfolding list of indictments. He was also their go-to guy for many of their pre- and post-election illegal battles. Uh, So... I didn't spend a whole lot of time, to be honest with you, uh, digging through all the lawsuits uh, from prior to the 2020 election. But here's one example of a Soros-funded uh, group, <laughs> Priorities USA, using Mark Elias as their attorney to change election signature matching laws in Michigan. So uh, a lawsuit filed by Priorities USA and an individual voter challenging the constitutionality of Michigan's signature matching laws, which require election officials to uh, reject absentee applications and ballots if they determine that the signature provided with the applications or ballot does not match the voter's signature on file with the election authorities. In response to the plaintiff's motion, for a preliminary injunction, the Secretary of State released updated guidance around signature matching standards and a cure procedures. <laughs> so we fast forward to after Biden's inauguration, and now we see Elias enter the picture again in the fight against forensic audits. The, Sor- the Soros-funded Protect Democracy, who funded the Transition Integrity Project hired Mark Ellis to challenge the Arizona forensic audit. How many other election laws were illegally changed based on lawsuits funded by George Soros? I mean, what now? So so how could Trump possibly go about defeating the political establishment? 
specifically a character like George Soros, who has been successfully influencing United States politics for years, while carefully avoiding crossing the line into prosecutable interference. Okay, so I, I, I've done some research on George Soros. Uh, he, he's a very evil person. Uh, and my initial thought process, I really just, I had to go and I had to re-examine the executive order that we spoke about in earlier episodes, uh, number 134, or number 138, what was it, 13848. And that is imposing certain sanctions in the event of a foreign interference in a United States election. Now, I've covered this uh, executive order extensively in previous episodes. But up until right now, I had been looking at this executive order specifically at the cyber aspect of altering the vote count. For the record... I am still convinced 100% that the military has evidence of direct foreign interference in the cyber arena and that is and that is all they would need to justify devolution as a continuity of government plan. But there's more to the executive order and it's worth examining if only to serve as a thought experiment. And I'm not going to read the whole thing again because you guys have heard me read this before. But I do want to uh, read a couple of highlight things. Um, <clears throat> outside the United States to interfere in or undermine public confidence in the United States elections. Or convert uh, distribution of propaganda and disinformation. Uh, yeah, that's huge. So uh, the executive order mentions interfering or undermining public confidence in the United States through the covert distribution of propaganda and disinformation. The, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, this, this uh, executive order is amazing. It then goes on to give us some more important definitions, including foreign interference with aspect to an election and well as what uh, constitutes as a foreign government. The term uh, entity means a partnership, association, trust, joint venture, corporation, group, subgroup, or other organizations. Uh, the terms foreign uh, interference with respect to an, an election includes any covert, fraudulent, de uh, deceptive, or unlawful actions or attempt actions of a foreign government or of any person acting as an agent on or of its behalf of a foreign government undertaking with the uh, purpose or efficient or influencing undermining confidence in or altering the results or undermining public confidence in an election process or uh, institutions. The term foreign government means any national, state, uh, providence, or other government governing authority, any political party, or any official of any governor authority or political party. Uh -huh. 
So the Transition Integrity Project tip that we spoke about yesterday report um, they they fit the descri- uh, the definition of a foreign interference, right? I think it could be considered a deceptive action undertaken with the purpose or effect of influencing and or undermining public confidence in election processes or institutions. But the foreign aspect is a tough one to definitively nail down. Neil Skillman, co-founder of TIP, has ties to the CCP through the Bergham uh, Institute. But is that connection strong enough or direct enough? Hmm. A term foreign government means any uh, national, state, providence, or other governing authority, any political party, or any official of any governor authority or political party in each case of a country other than the United States. Well, I mean, the mentioning of political party uh, certainly is interesting there. So could George Soros and his open society fit that definition? Could the lawsuits that illegally change election laws be considered foreign interference? I'm not sure it's possible to legally make those connections. But man, it's, it's definitely, it's, it, it's clearly uh, something to think about, right? I mean, clearly. So clearly the same people from our own government who have implemented color revolution abroad have also attempted to implement one here as well. When you look at Trump's presidency from a 40, let's say a 40,000 foot view, the massive scope of the swamp comes into focus. This is how one begins to see the picture of what Trump was up against. Every single move made by the political establishment from before Trump took office up until they stole the presidency for Joe Biden and the subsequent events that have unfolded during Biden's time in office, all you have to do, if you're not awake now, I don't know if you ever will be, uh, have all been a part of the playbook. Everything from Spygate to uh, to TIP to current events, they are clearly connected. Devolution is just one aspect of Trump's plan to save America. Trump knew well before taking office how corrupt and entrenched the political establishment is. How do you defeat an enemy like that? How do you destroy it so it never returns? It's one thing to cut the head off, but how do you make sure another head doesn't grow in its place? In order to obtain a total victory... You must first arm yourself with the proper weapons with which to do the battle. Personally, I believe Trump has a weapon of choice. Executive Order 13818, blocking the property of persons involved in serious humane rights abuse or contribution. Perhaps we'll see how that weapon is being wielded as we find out a little bit more about Epstein and Maxwell. Remember, she went to trial. She's been convicted. I heard everybody. If you if you got your ear to the ground, uh, I've heard that uh, she's singing like a little canary. And uh, oh boy, I am uh, 
waiting to hear more about that, and I'm waiting for the public. I want you guys to see it. See it, see it, see it. It's going to take down a lot of these people uh, that are, uh, everybody thinks that are so great, these celebrities and politicians and uh, junk. But anyways, uh, that's going to be all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast with the Kentucky Guy. Special report, devolution number 16. Hey, we'll talk to you soon, guys. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you.